God and I have this special relationship. He gets me. I talk to him all the time, and I worship him in my own way. I don't really have to go to church. Good morning, and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski. I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you're going to find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube, and Rumble at God's Resistance. And that is spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We are going to be going through the Ten Commandments for a little while here on this program. So today... I want to start with the first two commandments. The Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20. But today, people say things like, I know there's a God, or I I worship a higher power. I acknowledge that there's someone higher than I am, and uh, I know there's a God out there somewhere. Maybe I don't know exactly who he is or what it, what this God is. Uh, I was speaking to somebody a little while back, and I had mentioned that, and they said, oh, I'm, I'm open to that. I'm spiritual. I'm just not entirely positive who uh, this higher being is. I just know that he's there, and she says, and that's, a, that's much more than others could say. Well, a lot of what is going on in our culture right now is this new age movement. You know, we, you know it's, not, it's very nebulous. It's not that the, there's one specific God. We know that there's some kind of higher power. It's, maybe it's air. It's like ethereal something or other and uh we kind of just worship what we don't even know something i have no idea but this new age movement doesn't really help us to discern and understand the being or person of god so i think for us to understand these first two commandments and the ten commandments we need to define what worship is what is the heart of worship the heart of worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. That's kind of like a lover. Somebody that you love and care about, you honor them with extravagant love. The love you have for them is far more special than, you know, just the love you have where maybe you say, "Oh, I really love that guy. I really love that person," you know? When you have somebody that you are in love with, a lover, you're married to this person or whatever stage in relationship it is, you love them then you have also this kind of submission to them as well. You're willing to do things for them and things that they may even ask you that perhaps you are not willing to do for others. So to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission is the heart of worship. Worship can be found in rituals. 
ceremonies, services of worship. We, if there's ceremonies or services, we, we go to a place and we perform acts of adoration. We, maybe there's a certain prayer posture that we have. And throughout all different kinds of religions, there's things like this. Um, and then there's that religious service where, you, you know, it's not that you're just saying you worship God or whoever you think this higher power is and you do it at your own at home. There is this element of community where there is a religious service where we gather together for the specific purpose to worship. But the word worship, we need to understand a little better. What is that history, the history of the, uh, that word worship? Uh, it comes from an old English word. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because I, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. But it comes from two words, worth and then to shape. Worth to shape. So it's speaking about quality. And examples uh, would be basically like friendship. And friendship would be the quality of being a friend. Sportsmanship. It would be the quality of being a sportsman. So when we think of the word worship, it is the quality of being worthy. The quality of being worthy. And we try to express, they're so worth it that we try and shape our actions, our voice, our posture, whatever it may. We, we try and shape ourselves to magnify this worth, whatever that is. And, and here we're talking about God. So when we think about worship, it's the quality of being worthy to have expressions of extreme honor and submission going toward you. And so how would you want somebody that you, or how would you want to show someone that you really love them? Sometimes it's hard to find something that expresses or is worthy of this person. Sometimes you find that when you know, Christmas comes around, you're like, I really love this person. I'd like to get him something, but man, I don't know what to get them. I remember when I was younger, it was hard for me to get my father something. I, I didn't know what to get him. I oftentimes have struggles finding what do I get for my wife for a gift? It's hard to find something that expresses or is worthy of this person. How do you show someone you really love them? And then bringing this into the spiritual, who is God to you? Is he, in your ideas and your thoughts, your understanding of God, is he worthy of your highest praise? Now, that is the little foundation for us to examine worship. And that is the foundation for us to go into Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to deal with the first two, ten command, two of the Ten Commandments because they have to deal with worshiping God. So Exodus 20, verse 3, it says, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. So he's talking to anyone that's listening, uh, in there, specifically the Israelites, but this is an eternal moral truth that goes for everybody throughout all ages. You shall have no other gods before me. So that means that there is something of priority that is given here before me. So if we think about it just philosophically for a second, if, if there was a God and God existed, what would you think of as this God? I mean, does he only have this little sphere of responsibility and influence? Really, the nature of God, if we are thinking about it simply and correctly, is this person is the highest being ever. 
I mean, it's God above all things. So God can only be God. There is no other gods before me. Even just literally, there's no other gods. If there is a God, then there's only one God. There cannot be another God because then if there was another God, what about this one? Maybe that God is uh, more powerful and has, you know, more attributes of, uh, of, you know, what God should have than the other one. And if that's the case, then where we thought there was two gods, no, we just take the higher and that one's God. So by nature, God can only be God. There's one God. Why? Because God has to be perfect in all of his attributes. Otherwise, there would be someone higher that's worthy of worship. Now, I I said the word attribute. Let me just tell you this. Um, God has to be perfect in all of his characteristics, in all of his traits. That's kind of what attributes are. What, What is the characteristic of God? What is the trait of God? And if he is God, then he's perfect in all of those things. So here is some of God's characteristics, traits, attributes. He is incomprehensible, meaning that though I can somewhat know and experience him, I can't fully grasp him. I can't fully understand him. He is incomprehensible. He's so, he's so immense. He's so big. He's, he's just beyond a human being. And it's, it's hard for me to grasp the whole of who he is, though I can experience him and I can know him to a degree. I can't fully grasp him. He's incomprehensible. God is also Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. One, three persons, one God, three persons in one God. Now this, I've heard people explain things in many different ways. This is, these are really not, uh, probably the, the illustrations break down. I'll put it that way. But so the Trinity is something like, I'm a father. I'm also a son and I'm an uncle, but I'm one person. I have, I have these different functions. I have these different personalities, per se, for each of those functions. Now, that is a pretty weak illustration. People have said water. It can be a gas. It can be a solid. It can be a liquid, but it's still water. It, has, it could be three states. Um, the thing is, is I think the, the first illustration is a little better because God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all at the same time. Um, that's something we can't fully comprehend, just as I said before. God is self-existent. Nobody created him. He's the great uncreated being, self-existent. God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything to keep him going. He doesn't need anything to be God. He is God. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything else. And we'll get to something a little bit later, but he is eternal. That means from vanishing point all the way in, in the past to vanishing point all the way in the future, there is no beginning to God and there is no ending to God. That's hard for us to understand because everything that we know has a beginning and an end. But that's why God is entirely different. He has no beginning and end. Um, There's a word that people use describing God, his infinitude, meaning that he has no bounds, infinity, 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 and beyond and beyond. God just is. He's just immense. He's everywhere. There is no beginning or end to him, even in his person, in his power, in his might, in everything about him. He is unchangeable. The word that's often used is immutability. That means he's he's not changeable. He is God. He has everything that he needs right from the beginning. He is perfect from the beginning and always ever will be perfect all the way to the end. God doesn't grow in knowledge. He doesn't grow in power. Nothing. He has everything in absolute perfection. 
He is omniscient or he knows everything. There's nothing that is not in the sight of God. There's nothing hidden from God. He's all-knowing. He's wise. And wise meaning he devises perfect ends to achieve, and then he, try, and then he achieves those ends that he's devised by perfect means. He, he's just wise. He knows how to do something. He knows how to get it done, and he knows how to do it perfectly the whole way through. He's wise. He's omnipotent, meaning he has all power. He's almighty. There's nobody that is higher than him. Places in the scriptures say that there is no name under heaven or, or, or earth, no principalities or powers or might or dominion or any name that is named in heaven and earth uh, that is higher than Jesus Christ. And we know Jesus uh, is God. So he is all-powerful. He's transcendent. That means that he's above and beyond all things. Even what you and I can experience and see, he's still above and beyond even all that. He's omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere at once. There's nowhere where we can go where the presence of God is not. Now, God may manifest his presence at certain times stronger than he does at others, but the the real, literal, actual presence of God, there is nowhere where we can go where he is not. He is faithful. He says things, and he backs it up. His actions back it up. He gives promises, and he, he comes through on these promises. Goodness, this is God. He is good. He's the fountain of good. He's disposed to be kind. He's disposed to be kind. That's in his heart. God is just. He's, he's just. There, he's, there's no crookedness in him. We can find that in our judges, and we can find that in government, and from all the way from federal all the way down to the local government. We can find all of that. But God is just. And if he was just just, then it would be terrifying to ever even consider trying to come to. But notice that in all these things, I want you to notice in all these things, he's perfectly balanced out because he's also merciful. He's actively compassionate to people. And the Bible says that mercy rejoices against judgment. If God can find a way to exercise mercy, he will. And that is all in his just heart. He's not just out to punish people just because I'm just and I want to punish people if he needs to, and, it, and that, that's for the highest good he, he will punish. But if the highest good for, is for him to show mercy and there's a way for him to do so, that's what he ultimately desires and wants to do. This is, the, this is the God of the Bible. This is the God of all existence. He's also graceful. He gives undeserved favor to people over and over and over again. They don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But this grace and his gracefulness is also he gives divine power, divine enablement to live above sin, to live a different life than just the life that we've been born with and we just naturally bend towards an evil or a wicked way. He is graceful, full of grace. He is love. God is love. And it's not the ushy-gushy love that oftentimes we hear in American culture. Oh, God is love. Don't speak strong words. Well, you can look inside of the Old Testament and you can find that God spoke very strong words and he had to deal very harshly and severely at times with certain things. But that's not all of him. That's part of him. Behold the goodness and severity of God, the scriptures said. But God is love. Love is where he's aiming towards people's highest good at all times, whatever that may be. And sometimes that needs correction. Sometimes that needs punishment. God knows and he's perfect in his love. God is holy. Holy. He's altogether different than human beings, than people that you and I know. There is such a purity. There's such a glow about him. There, there's no spot in him. There's no moral corruption or filth. He is the most pure, holy being, full of light. And also we know that God is sovereign. And sovereign, meaning he's a king. And he's the only sovereign. There's no other sovereign above him. 
He rules the world with truth and grace. That's our God. And so as we're thinking about these Ten Commandments, the first two talks about, or we were talking about the first one here in verse three, there are to be no other gods before me. Can you see now going through this that there can't be any other gods before him because there are literally no other being. There's no other being that can have all of that except the one supreme God. He is the highest being. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Verse 4, Exodus chapter 20. We read, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. In other words, we had this lofty picture of God just a moment ago, and it was all perfection in every way. And that's the only person that could be God is somebody that has all of that. So in this verse, we're, we're given this principle, don't try and bring this high and lofty God down. Don't try and make some kind of carved image of him and then worship a piece of wood. There's some biblical examples. There's the golden calf at Mount Sinai. Moses went up on the mountain. He was up there 40 days and 40 nights to talk with God and praying and God showing him uh, the temple and giving him the Ten Commandments and the law, all of this stuff. And while he's up there, the people are like, Moses is taking too long, guys. You know, and he says, they say to Aaron, the high priest, you know, can you just like give us a, a statue to worship right now? So Aaron, he says that what happened was he took the gold jewelry off of people and threw it in the fire and out came a golden calf. Then they bowed down to a golden statue of a cow and said, you're the God that brought us out of the land of Egypt and has blessed us and parted the Red Sea. Now that sounds foolish, and it is foolish. He's saying there in the Ten Commandments, don't do that. Another place is Jeroboam. He comes in on the scene later, much farther down the road, when Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdom. And they were supposed to be going to Jerusalem to worship the one and only true God. But instead, he said, here is a statue up here, and here is another statue down here, golden calves again. You worship these, it's just easier to do it this way than coming to Jerusalem. So then, again, they're bowing down to a piece of gold and calling it their God. We find in the New Testament, Paul goes to Mars Hill, and he's there, and he said his spirit was so stirred within him because there's so much idolatry. One of the, the things that he saw was the altar to the unknown God, and then they had a whole bunch of others. Now, I don't, uh, a, a little ways further from there in uh, Corinth, I think from what I remember, there was 30-something temples to different gods there. So they had statues. This is the god for this, the god for that, the goddess for this, the goddess for that. When you really think about it, that just doesn't make logical, logical sense because if there is a God, he is perfect and supreme and high in every attribute. And so if there's many, we've got a problem here. So those are the biblical examples that we find, and there's much more of those, but biblical examples of making a statue and worshiping it. God said in Isaiah that you cut down a tree, use half of it, and you cut it and split it to warm yourself in the fire, and the other half you carve into some sort of creature, and then you bow down to it and say, my God, my God. Uh, and, and you know that darkness is still pervading the earth. Maybe not as prevalent in the United States, but it's still found here too. 
we we find that in this uh, idolatry, there's some things we have to be careful about, a looseness in, in worship. So bringing the worship of God, this high and lofty being, just kind of bringing it down into a, a way that makes the world fit in with it. And that is idolatry because we're not worshiping a God of our own making. We want to worship God as he really is. We want to know him as he really is. Sometimes there's some ways people do that right now is they make worship songs that sound like the world's music. And oftentimes, instead of glorifying and worshiping God, what's happening is you're glorifying and worshiping the song leader up there. Their hearts are full or filled with pride. And I'm not saying that every heart like that is filled with pride. I'm just saying that oftentimes the, the motive is turned away from God and turned to self. And the world really has no spiritual life. The world cannot worship God in truth. The Bible tells us friendship with the world is at enmity or hostile with God. So we can't bring this high and lofty God down and worship him in these kind of meager and, and, and idolatrous ways, really, when we put ourselves in the place of really worshiping God. We must, according to Jesus, worship God in spirit and in truth. Then we look into formality. So there's a looseness about the worship of God. Then there's a formality. This is oftentimes rites, rituals, that kind of thing. At large, we find these in um, high churches, uh, Anglican Church, the Church of England, the Catholic Church, um, maybe some Greek Orthodox churches, many of those things. And what we find in there is some of it very forward idolatry, but pendants, statues, relics, and they worship you know, saints, dead saints. They worship Mary uh, in the Catholic Church. Um, and we find that that is putting other people in the place that only belongs to God. We should not worship these other things. We don't worship statues. We don't worship dead saints. We don't worship Mary, the mother of Jesus, because God wants us to worship him. He, there is only one God, and he said there shouldn't be any others before us. But we can fall into a formality where we just kind of, we, we do things, things are very like liturgical. You come in and basically they're like reading from a script. And are we worshiping in spirit and in truth there? I'm not saying that it's impossible to do it, but oftentimes my observation has been that it's people do this and there's no depth to what's going on. It's just something that they're used to. So there's a form, but there's no life. Then there is also ignorance. And ignorance can be found in our New Age movement. It can be found in tribes all throughout the earth that don't know anything, and so they just end up, you know, a lightning bolt strikes a tree, and a tree catches on fire. So from there on out, they worship this particular kind of tree, and then they worship the sky god that throws lightning down. Um, I have no idea. It can, it can manifest itself in so many different ways. But they would have pendants, jewelry, necklaces. They worship the air. They worship trees. They worship this undefined god. They really, uh, in ignorance, we also find in America, the worshiping really of imagination with religions like Scientology, that somehow a volcano, uh, an alien went into a volcano and spewed out life, and that's how we got where we are. And I know that's oversimplified, but things get really crazy. Christian science, same kind of thing. Mormons, same thing. I'm not saying that there aren't people there that really have a, a sincere heart, but they're sincerely misguided as far as the Bible is concerned and Scripture is concerned. So they worship their imagination. Uh, the Book of Mormons has things that read oftentimes like a comic book that's in there. And I'm not trying to belittle people in saying this. I'm just saying that there is when ignorance is has happening, there's still that need in heart for worship. And God says, do not set up a statue, no graven image. And 
in America because perhaps it's not much like worshiping statues and things in other countries, though that does happen to some extent. We have to realize that we put things in the place of God just the same, whether it be this extra special book that helps us to know some special knowledge, like the Book of Mormons or you know the books that Christian science uh, people have. We don't need those things. God is God, and there's no other God before him. People worship through the image or symbol, um, or really any way, to bring God down because they don't know God. And because they don't know God, they can't truly worship in spirit and in truth. And the only way to worship God truly is to know him. We need to know him. Move, if we move on to verse 5, we read in verse 5 there, You, God says, you shall not bow down to them. So first of all, don't make a statue and an image of any of these things. And then certainly do not bow down to them or serve them. Why? What is bowing down having have to do with anything? Well, it shows respect. It shows honor. You know, people bow to kings at times and kiss the ring on a king's hand. It shows honor and respect. What we're told here by God is don't make statues, graven images, carve things you know, animals, trees, whatever that's in existence around you, and then bow down and worship it. And he says, don't do it for this reason. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. You may hear this verse and think, what a monster. What an egomaniac God is to say something like this. He, he just wants everyone to worship him. What kind of a God is this? Let me just bring it down to you in this way. God is a jealous God, and he's perfect in all of his attributes, right? Everything about him is perfect, and it's not because he's an egomaniac. It's just because if he's God, then he is perfect. There's nothing higher or more uh, grander or above him in any way. And so he knows that if we were to worship anything else, it is to the destruction of our souls, our minds, our bodies. It's to the destruction of the way that God has made us. And God resents everything in his worship that looks like or leads to idolatry because it leads people away from their creator and their created purpose. God will not give glory to another or praise to any other image, statue, or uh, some false God we make up in our own imagination. Think about it this way, a husband and a wife. You're married, and me, myself as a husband, I'm jealous over my wife. I don't want another man being around my wife. I don't want another man flirting with my wife. She belongs to me. I love her intensely and I provide for her. I don't want somebody else coming in in the middle of all of this and switching it around. That's a pretty homely illustration and probably has some weaknesses in it, but it helps you understand God created you and poured life into you and he doesn't want to see us destroyed. He has a jealous love over us, so he wants us to walk with him. The effects of idolatry, according to this verse, is curses to generations following you. He said, and and it just makes logical sense. If I live a certain way and then my kids see the way that I live, they perpetuate it. Then they perpetuate it onto their children and so forth. And usually there's degradation through generations. It doesn't get better. It usually gets worse. And so here we just find that God simply says it. The sixth verse, he says, he, he does those curses to those that hate him, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Here we find that God is merciful to those that love him and that obey him. He's merciful. He's disposed to show mercy. He loves people and he wants our very best for us. And so this is why God says, 
There is to be no other gods before him. We are not to make statues, carve things up, and worship them. We are not to make gods of ourselves or anything else. He wants our utmost devotion because he knows it is for our very good. So let me ask you this question. Are you worshiping God as he is revealed in the Bible? Have you made a God in your own image? You don't like what you read in the Bible, so you try and switch things around and do it the way that makes you more comfortable. Have you made a a God that's okay with your sins and your selfish ambitions? What effects do your choices have on your children and your family? Are you loose in your worship or your ideas of God? Are you formal in it? Do you have a form of godliness but deny the power of the true living God in you? Or are you in the darkness of ignorance? Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or to email me at gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. I want to set up a time with you. I want to meet with you. I want to coach and help you further to walk with God. Also, go to our social media accounts. Like and follow us, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Gab, Rumble. Uh, There's more than I can even say at the moment. Uh, We have more teaching, preaching there to help you on your journey. You can connect with others that are going on their journey as well. Tell your friends about this broadcast on 94.7 every Sunday at 9 a.m. And tell your friends about social media. But above all, join the resistance. God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.